Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1913. This week on Cars Yeah, I'm celebrating the Hilton Head Island Concord Elegance and Motoring Festival that takes place November 5th, 6th, and 7th on Hilton Head Island. To learn more and get your tickets, go to hhiconcord.com. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in beautiful Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, with a very special guest by the name of Mary Harlacker. Mary, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm ready, thank you, yes. Yeah, I think you always are. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about your involvement in the Hilton Head Island Concours and Motoring Festival and everything they're going to be doing, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Mary? I, I worked my way uh, through prep school and college, starting out as what I called a self-employed shell fisherman. And here on, on the East Coast and the bays and all, inland bays along the East Coast, that would be called clam digging. All right? So I started when I was 12 years old digging clams. And at that time, I caught clams for a penny apiece. And when I retired, after, uh, when I was a freshman in college, I was getting paid about 1.8 cents a piece for clams. And I typically operate on a goal to make $25 a day wow. clamming. And I used that to pay tuition for prep school for four years and then my first year in college. Holy cow. Well, not a lot of inflation on clams back in the day. <laughs> not at that time, though. No. Not at that time, but, you know, that's impressive. I paid my way through college as well, although I did it waxing cars, so I, I didn't have to wax too many cars back in those days to come up with yeah. my my tuition for one quarter, and then I'd call, I, I used to call it dialing for dollars. I'd call people and say, I need to buy my college books. Could I detail your car, please? Uh, they took pity on me and said, yeah, sure, Mark, come over and pick it up. But you did it the hard way. Holy cow. My hat's off to you. It was fun. It was You could do it during any daylight hour and on any day of the week except Sunday. So for a, for a kid, that was great. I could make my own hours work until I made my goal and then go to the beach or do whatever I needed to do. I had a couple of friends, two friends particularly, given what you just said, we also we had side ways to make money, one of which was cleaning and waxing cars, and the other of which was digging dry hole cesspools. We made, we made like, we charged 300 bucks or so to dig a cesspool and set the blocks. Oh, okay. And then we were done, and then the plumber would come and finish up. So, wow, that was another good job for three high school age kids. You know, it's sandy soil. You just get your shovel and dig. In a day, we could dig one standard cesspool, which would be about four or five feet by maybe six or eight feet long. Wow. Well, hard worker. Now we know why you were successful in your career. Uh, you set some goals early on and uh, walked through them. Plus, I think for me, I felt pretty good about being able to pay my way through college. A lot of my friends were getting their parents to pay for it or whatever, which is great. That would have been fine. But uh, you feel a lot better about your education when you're uh, having to hand that money over, especially from digging clams. Now, I have to ask you this. Do you still eat clams to this day? Oh, yes. I love clams. I okay. still eat 
<laughs> I haven't dug any for a few years, but I still eat them. I guess the last time I dug them was about eight years ago or so. Well, I'm sure you appreciate everyone you put in your mouth because you know somebody had to do some digging. Uh, yeah, to get that. Well, let me give you a proper introduction and we will uh, talk about the uh, Hilton Head Island Concord. Mary Harlacker chairs the board of the Hilton Head Island Concord Eleganza Motoring Festival. This is a multi-day event culminating in the Sunday Concord. In his long career, he served as president and COO of Connective, a utility providing energy to more than 1.1 million customers in southern New Jersey and the Delmarva Peninsula. He has served on the board of several community organizations on the Hilton Head Plantation POA, including a year as president on board committee and tasks Force. He is a lifelong running enthusiast, participated in 5K events and annual half, thon, half marathons, and he loves cars, of course. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our valued sponsor, so give him a little listen, and we'll be right back. Did you know the most damaging thing to your vehicle's interior is the sun? Harsh UV rays damage your interior over time, cracking the dash, fading colors, and the heat makes getting into your favorite ride downright unbearable. My friends at Covercraft have the perfect solution for you and me. Their quality-made sunscreens are easy to use, take seconds to install and to remove, and they protect your vehicles while parked in the sun if using a cover isn't a good option. I have one for every one of my cars. They come in a variety of colors and options, and their accordion design makes unfolding and folding them up for storage as cool as the summer breeze. Your sunscreen comes custom-tailored for your special vehicles and manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. Here at Cars Yeah, I've got a savings just for you. Use the code YEAH21, that's Y-E-A-H, Two one at Covercraft.com and they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code YA21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company. And I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework. I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Mary, so we're back. Let's dive a little deeper into the Hilton Head Concord Elegance. I'd love for you to first tell our listeners how you got involved in the Concord. 
I started out 19 years ago. I volunteered uh, to be a class host for the Concours, and I was a class host for about a half an hour, and, and uh, the assistant uh, chair of the Concours at the time was looking for someone to keep track of all the cars and provide lists of all the cars and the classes and where they were supposed to be parked, check them in when they came in in the morning, things like that. And she discovered that I had a, because of my engineering background, I had a kind of knack for that kind of thing. And also that I could work with the computer. She took me off of being a class host and I ended up to be what a business would call as the clerk of the works, working around our The clerk of the works. I love it. <laughs> I did that for several years and then she resigned from that job. She actually moved away. I then took over her job and eventually worked my way up, if you will, through the various ranks of the concourse structure, which would be running the class house, laying out the cars, and getting everything set for the show, placing cars, scheduling the judging, you know, all the background, backroom things that need to be done. And then gradually, Paul During, who was really the, the father of the Hilton Head Island concourse, he let me do more and more in terms of picking, naming the classes and deciding what they would be and where we would put them on the show field and so on and so forth. And just worked my way along. Well, I've talked to a lot of people that say that volunteering to be at a concours, and uh, I've done this a few times as well, even just helping the cars come in onto the field, welcome, welcoming them, handing them something, goodie bag or whatever it might be. You never know where that might lead to. And here, yes. here you are sitting sitting on the board. Um, but I had no idea that you'd been a part of this event for such a long time. Are there other concours events that you're involved in as well? No, this is the only one. It's a, It was a hometown thing. Uh, I'm not what one would describe as a really hardcore car collector type of person. I'm into cars. I know a little something about them. I enjoy them. Uh, but I'm not a hardcore collector as someone else may be. But I enjoy working with the, with the collectors and the, try to talk their language and understand their problems and challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this event this year is a multi-day event, which makes it even more fun. A lot of concours are just one day and that's it, kind of arrive and you're done and that's the end of it. But this involves a lot of different elements. So yeah. maybe you could walk us through starting with Friday, November 5th. I understand there's going to be an event called Flights and Fancy at the airport, which is pretty cool. We've seen this at uh, other events where they have jet center, perhaps, and cars parked among the airplanes, which adds a whole nother flavor to the event. Yes, it does. Let me, uh, we started as a concour Sunday only. When we started to build enough uh, exhibitors to fill out the concour and have cars left over, we moved the cars that didn't qualify for Sunday into Saturday. And then Saturday evolved into a by invitation car club event. So what we do on Saturday is we introduce, we uh, invite about 20 car clubs and ask them to bring 15, 18, 14 cars, the ones they think are their best cars, and show them on Saturday. And then they compete amongst themselves and they cross judge and all that kind of thing. And they leave the field Saturday afternoon, they're finished. And then we started to think even more about broadening things and actually added the word festival. So we became Hilton Head Island Concord Delegance and Fest Motoring Festival. And we moved and we put a driving tour in place on Friday morning. So that's really the beginning. And then a few years ago, 
we put the airport event in place and that starts on Friday evening and runs all day Saturday. So on Friday evening, Friday afternoon, the planes come in and we also place antique cars so they're mixed in with the planes. And then we have a, a grand party with live music, cocktails, food. And it's pretty dressy, but not formal, but dressy. I would say, you know, cocktail party kind of a thing. And uh, then you can go walk among the airplanes and the cars. And we try to match them up either by the years or by style or what have you. And we also have some uh, hot lap type events, airport runway, speed events. Porsche has been running those, things of that nature. All that happens on Friday night. And then we have a silent auction where we try to raise money for our uh, charitable goals. And so, And then those same planes and cars stay there on Saturday all day. So part of your entrance fee on Saturday is you can see the car clubs, hop on a shuttle and it's about three quarters of a mile away and go over to the airport and see the planes and the cars over there wow. and then come back. And then Saturday evening, we have an event that we call Design Among the Stars. And we have invited uh, automotive designers from all around the world, typically five of them or thereabouts. And they talk about design and exchange stories and things like that. And then they interview people in the audience. And when they, as they do that, they sketch cars, airplanes, trucks, whatever, on a napkin with a um, marker, a black marker. And when they sketch that design out, hold it up, and auction it off right there on the spot. That's cool. And that's very cool. We do very well with that. We have like Maury Callum and people of that nature uh, come up and, and do those designs and auction them off. That's a very popular event. It, it's very uh, financially rewardable for us in terms of raising charitable money. And people seem to have a good time at that. Oh, yeah. These, it's, it's kind of eye-opening to me that how these designers from all the different companies get along and they know one another and joke and carry on and what have you. The, they kind of put aside whatever else goes on while they're there doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. I think for people that are in the car world, one of those dream jobs is to be a car designer. It sounds so glamorous mm -hmm. and so forth. I've interviewed a lot of them. Uh, while it is and can be glamorous, it's also incredibly challenging, not like the old days where somebody <laughs> would probably simply draw a sketch like that and then fabricators would go in. There's all this complexity to it now. So I would imagine yeah. these designers have a nice time being able to kind of be free and just sketch whatever they want. And of course, the people that win those things through the uh, donations that go to charity uh, take home a nice little prize and a memento as well. And we, we've had a couple of speakers at that event. One is a young lady who she and her husband do more hardcore design, uh, largely for Ford Motor Company. But it was interesting to have her because she does the ergonomics and the, the hands-on tactile stuff of the interiors of cars. And she could talk to how what a challenge it is for her to take these concepts and ideas from these people up in the cloud, if you will, and actually convert them to something that will work in a, in a car. And she, she's very good. She, has, she can be very funny because she can talk about all the crazy design things that have actually been built and how dumb it was and things like that. So that's really good. That works out nicely. Yeah, you'd appreciate this, Mary, with an engineering background. My wife is an engineer. My father was an architect. And they always used to have this fun little banter going back and forth. She would say, oh, you were the guys with the rubber rulers. 
<laughs> yep. That's exactly right. They'd have to figure out how to actually build the stuff that the creative people had in their mind of what could be built, but maybe it couldn't. So they always had that going back and forth. And of course, all of this culminates with Sunday, November 7th, the Concord That's Elegance. Right. So talk a little bit about what the Concord is like. You know, a lot of us have been to Concord events and everything from a very large events, Amelia, a Pebble, to smaller Concord events, but this is a true Concord Elegance, correct? They are. What we run on Sunday is a true Concord d'Elegance. It begins approximately 15 months before the day. That's where we begin to say what classes we want to have and which cars we want to feature and things like that. And then as we get into about 10 months away, we send invitations to uh, exhibitors and car owners all around the country, telling them what we're trying to do and inviting them to nominate a car. And then as we go in to the down through the next few months, we go through all the nominated cars and select those which we are going to place in classes and show on Sunday. Being a concours, it's judged. So coming in right behind the car selection, we again go out and we recruit judges, tell them the same thing. These are the cars, these are the classes we're going to have, the types of cars that are going to be in there. If you would like to judge, let us know, tell us your background and why you would be a good person to judge whatever cars give us your experience and so on and so forth obviously we have a hardcore of judges probably 40 of them that we know very well and are very experienced and that we depend on year in and year out and then we fill in the rest with some newcomers we try to bring in youth and we've been working on younger people and we've been successful bringing in a few more women and then uh, kind of work it that way. And then we also are doing youth judging. We've done that off and on for the past five or 10 years. It's fun and the kids have a good time. And we have, we have now one or two judges in our group that have that started out when they were 14 or 15 years really? old. Really? How exciting is that? Well, that's the next generation and the caregivers of these, these vehicles. Cool. That's what we're trying to do. So then once you get that together, then it's a matter of finalizing the plans laying it out geographically. We, the way we lay it out, each car has a medallion on the ground where it's going to be parked on Sunday morning when it gets there. And we lay all that out on Thursday or Friday and bring the cars in, park them in the right places. And I attend the judges meeting on Sunday morning. That starts around 6.30, 6.45. We go over the challenges of the day and the judges begin to judge at nine o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah, it's just re- really easy, right? Yes, simple, right? Yeah. Nothing to it. And the whole thing culminates. And if we're lucky, it looks smooth and uneventful. And the awards begin to be given out at about 1 p.m. And we hope to finish that process at about 3.30. It's a challenge to get all that through. And there's a lot of background theatrics and hard data communication and all that needs to occur to turn the judges' results into a parade of the winning cars in the right order, and so on and so forth. It's important to have a good announcer, someone who knows cars well, and someone who has a sense for what's going on behind the scenes so they can either ad-lib or adjust the schedule on the fly or what happened. Now, the past few years, we've been using Bill Rothermel, whom you, know, you probably know, mm-hmm. to do that. He's excellent. He's funny. He knows his stuff. He really knows the cars, and he's good at stretching the time or speeding it up or 
whatever the case may be. Right. A good cadence has to happen. You know, right. that's a great thing. When you go to car shows, you just kind of walk around and think, oh, this is just so easy. Uh, you have no idea the immense amount of work uh, that goes into this type of thing. Um, is there a couple people I know... We can't mention everybody, but a couple people that are really inspiring to you that are involved in the Concorde. I guess uh, one that comes to mind off the top of my head is the ultimate backroom guy. His name is Bill Schmidt. He's a chemist, chemical engineer, and chemical marketing person by background. He worked uh, most of his career in various uh, countries in Europe and then less so here in the United States. He's a super diehard car guy down to the nuts and bolts. He has he has broad knowledge of all different kinds of cars. Much of it he picked up in Europe while he was over there. So you can imagine he's a Corvette guy here, but he knows about Ferraris or he knows about Renault or he knows about whomever because of time that he spent um, in Europe. So in terms of inside guys who uh, know the cars and help keep us straight there, he's, he's kind of a go-to person. You have another guy, uh, Mike McClelland, who used to be the, you may know him, he used to be the uh, chair of the, uh, of the uh, what, Coeur Duesenberg Auburn Museum mm. in Auburn, Indiana. So he has that whole background of the late 20s and 30s American cars. He has it down cold. He knows where every one of those cars is buried <laughs> around the country. So. Yeah. And he has a sense of those cars and the engineering and the design work that went into those cars. Uh, we have a, a local person that attests to the other knowledge that's required. His name is Truett Rabin. Truett is a land planner, civil engineer, and landscape ar ar architect. Truett does all of our layouts for the Concord. Tents, restrooms, car placements, fences. You name it. He does all that stuff. He uses aerial photos and his own skills and talents and uh, mapping system that he has in his business. And he lays the whole Concord app for us. Wow. And gets all that through the regulatory aspects we were talking about before. Has to get through city government. Has to be permanent. The police have to pass on it. The fire department has to pass on it. He gets all that done. Great detail. And then we can use his work as instructions for the approximately 600 volunteers that we use to uh, run the show. My gosh. I mean, again, these are great testaments to the immense amount of work that has to go on behind the scenes that all of us that attend in Concours really take for granted. We just yes. get there and everything looks pretty and we're like, oh, this again, magic. It just happens. You know, fairies fly around and sprinkle <laughs> dust everywhere and it's just perfect. So, well, a testament to those people and, of course, all the people involved in this event. Uh, as you said, 600 volunteers. I mean, just corralling all of those folks uh, and giving them the correct directions. It's incredible amount of work. Uh, we'll take a break here. We come back. I want to talk about maybe a big challenge with a Concours like this that you've had to overcome. I know given the past 18 months, boy, we've all had to deal with challenges with uh, the COVID epidemic, but maybe there's something else involved. So keep that thought in mind and we'll be right back. Here at Cars Yeah, it's all about inspiration. And our charity of choice is Tech Force Foundation, where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives. TechForce helps young adults discover their talents and passions for all things automotive with a mission of helping students develop a career as a professional technician. TechForce awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education 
and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions of these careers. Auto techs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So let's talk about this. Obviously, there's a lot of things in the background with the Concours events that are challenging. Uh, sometimes things just don't work. Sometimes things probably give you a major headache and you figure out a way to get it done or all these talented people help you. Uh, maybe you can walk through one big one that most people would never even think about when they come to a Concours uh, that was a big challenge for you guys. An uh, actual event that happened that was a challenge? Yeah, yeah. Well, our our biggest challenge by far at this point is well documented, was Hurricane Matthew. Mm. Our concours, as you know, is scheduled to be the first Sunday in November. And Hurricane Matthew hit, I don't remember the exact date, was uh, late September. So we had first to decide if we were going to try to do the concours at all, and then second, to pull it off. Hurricane Matthew presented itself here in the form of heavy, heavy amounts of rain, and significant wind that blew down a lot of trees. Our vegetation here is uh, probably 40% or more pine trees. So huge amounts of pine trees blew down. And the concourse being on a golf course, the pine trees were blown down. And if the hurricane winds are such that typically they'll fall one way or the other, but out into the fairways. So they block up. The entire golf course was just covered with fallen pine trees. Sure. Oh, my gosh. So we met about six weeks or five weeks before the concourse was to begin with the people from the golf club and with officials from the town of Hillnet Island, looked at the situation and say, what do we need to do to clear the short practice area, driving range, and two fairways that we use for the concourse and get it done between now and the concourse? And so we had the plan had to be to cut cut away all of the blocking trees, cut them into manageable sizes and then get them removed and then to put the trash someplace when you cleaned all that up. Right. And then to pay uh, the couple hundred thousand dollars that was required. I think it ended up to be more than that to remove the debris so we could actually do the show. And again, you're up against this time uh, window. Right. So. We got the, uh, within four or five days of the uh, event of the hurricane happening, myself and the uh, general manager of the Port Royal Golf Club 
got together with the mayor and we actually walked down, saw what needed to be done. The general manager of the golf course and I had had experience, I, because of working at a utility company, had dealt with storms on a regular basis. And the golf manager, because he had dealt with this kind of damage in the past also, and then we kind of convinced the mayor that we had something doable if he would back us financially. He didn't have to necessarily pay all the bills, but just come in and say, yes, I'll cover them if it costs more than they have in the bank or whatever. And so within about six days or so, we had agreed, yeah, we could do it. And this is what we needed to do. And we proceeded to move from there. And I I give credit to the mayor and the town people who were in behind us, helping us every step of the way and uh, enable us to get rid of debris and things without being tied up forever with permitting and all the kind of stuff like that can go on. And the golf course manager who had the connections, he called in the agrarian type people that he knew that could do the job and they, they literally got it done. Wow. So we held the Concord, the, uh, Spaces between the fairways were filled up with down trees and trash, whatnot, but pulled it off. And we didn't, we were, it worked out very well, and we were proud of that. And I, I think that the, uh, the local people here really appreciated it because the damage was such that a lot of things that would normally go on in Hilton Head in the fall were all being canceled because uh, there's so much dependence on outdoor type things. And the outdoors were just all torn up. So. Wow. Well, and it's such an important economic factor in that area. People visiting and yes. so forth uh, can be devastating. Holy cow, the show must go on. And it did. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Wow. Well, I always like to ask people about a special vehicle in their life. I'm going to twist this up just a little bit with you. I want to ask it in this way, and that is pick a favorite car. But when you think about the cars that are coming this year, can you maybe talk about one vehicle that stands out for you? And again, you don't want to say your favorite because that'll make everybody else feel bad. But maybe <laughs> one, but one car that's kind of standing out for you that you're excited to see. I guess what I'm what I'm excited to see this year are not is not necessarily one car, but two groups of cars. Okay. And those groups are, as you might expect for for older cars, the groups are historic, uh, but they're very educational. But each group is very educational in its own way. One is more traditional, and that's we're holding a grand Stutz, and we're honoring Stutz cars this year. Thus far, we have 27 Stutz who will be on display on both Saturday and Sunday. Wow. Uh, so you get to see the whole history of Stutz in this exhibit, and it shows you, the I think, the design and power and uh, technical innovation of a company like Stutz with their engines and braking and transmission and all the things that they changed and developed over the years and the, the power and reliability of the engines that they built, which are largely still working full-time today with no problem. And then also the variation from fancy limousines and the kind of cars that or uh, cars with uh, the gangsters would drive around in, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people equate with Stutz, but to go all the way down to Stutz Bearcats and so on, that were used for racing cars and for running rum around here and things like that. So th that would be Stutz. And we do have the whole gamut of that. And uh, I think that our attendees and other exhibitors will appreciate that. Amazing. On the other hand is the other group that's most meaningful to me is something we're call calling Life Electric. 
we're trying to take a really educational view of electric cars. We start our oldest car that will be on display is 1894 or 96, something in that range, all the way up to today's current cars. And so we will show the evolution of electric cars all in one place. And part of the idea there is to show people that what seems to be a big deal today, people were doing in 1900 with electric cars. And they had the same problems then that they have now, batteries. They could, the traction was great. They had the traction engines from the railroads and the elevator companies and all. They had the motors that would work. And they knew about dynamic braking and all those things back then. They could stop an elevator. They could stop a subway car, right? So they could stop a car on the street easily. But the batteries, you know, weighed more than 10 cars. <laughs> right. They had their problems that way. And we'll show all of those cars. I'm hoping that the public will recognize some of those things as they go through that. And we'll have some docent tours and so on that will try to explain how, how far cars went, and then basically were shut off because of the weight and convenience issues of internal combustion engines, and now they're coming back again only to face the same issues, hopefully with better technology. Fascinating. I think that's very, very cool and very pertinent to what's happening today in the automotive sector with EVs and uh, hybrid cars and all of that. So uh, mm -hmm. that looks sounds very exciting. Here we have some of those there, and we're, we're trying, I'm not sure how successful we'll be, we're trying to get a demonstration charging station and things like that to help people understand. Very cool. I love it. You and I are car guys to us. We're into that. We're, we know about it. A lot of people, they just, they scratch their heads, you know, man. or they think that, that uh, the Tesla was the first electric car ever invented. You know? Right. Right. And yeah. I think we have to disabuse them of that, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Well, that's a great thing about Concord events. They're wonderful teaching experiences for people old and young to learn about things. Uh, it's fun to take people who are not car people to a Concord and they mm -hmm. walk around and go, that was a car? People drove something like that? Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And especially children, you know, well, how do they make mm -hmm. the windows go up and down? Well, they had these mm -hmm. things you had to crank, you know? Right. Really? They had to crank windows? Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm going to be your car psychologist a little bit here, Mary. Okay. Maybe a lot. If you were manifest as a vehicle, what would Mary Harlacker be, but more importantly, why? Okay, I that was a kind of a... Dicey question that I, <laughs> I had to devote some time with. Like, Good. I'd like to th think of myself, I guess, as a Porsche 356 coupe. Okay. And why is that? The idea is it's simple, quick, reliable, easy to maintain and uh, repair, things like that. And by the same token, it held up over time as a standard, as a traditional thing. And was not just dismissed as a once a once a year phenomenon that went away. I think of myself that way, and you know, being a runner and all, you you can see how why I would feel that way. I think it's the same kind of idea. You, if you keep yourself in good repair and rely on quickness and paying attention to what's going on and and uh, st stick to itiveness, if you will. You can get pretty far and do pretty well. And I think the closest car I, I know of that comes to that looking back in time is the 356. It doesn't need to be a roadster or anything fancy. Just an old, you know, 60 horsepower 356 coupe. That's fine. 
Well, you thought that through very well. That's nice. That's great. Now, now, if I ask your wife if you fit all those categories, do you think she'd agree with that? <laughs> Most of them. Most of them. <laughs> Definitely not all. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you mentioned earlier in all Concord events like to help other people. They all have charitable entities. Uh, for your event, what is the charitable entity? Who are we helping? Okay, in our event, we, we have a charitable foundation that's totally owned by the Hilton Head Island Concord Delegance, which is a 501c3 organization. So, And that, that we call Driving Young America. And the idea there is to uh, take all the money that we get and put it towards the education and development of young people in automotive and automotive-related areas. And uh, so and we would focus on automobile restoration, automobile uh, performance enhancements, uh, automobile design and engineering, automobile racing and such, and automobile uh, women in the automotive field. Those are areas that we have chosen. And uh, what we do then is give uh, scholarships uh, to students who are pursuing those uh, areas. Some of the more notable ones that kind of display what we're trying to do would be an engineer, a partial engineering scholarship to Clemson for automotive design, and then a partial scholarship to uh, a uh, up in Charleston to a local community college that actually taught teaches automotive mechanics and technicians. They work a lot with uh, NASCAR, so we actually got someone through there, and then local people who are involved in some other way. Savannah Tech is a good place to go. They they have a lot of uh, automotive programs. They also have an aircraft program. So that kind of fits in with our motoring festival thinking. That's where we, we try to focus. Wow. it's awesome. I love it. I love it. How about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners that you really enjoyed? Yeah, my favorite book, which, I, which, is what, uh, which I've read, I don't know, maybe four or five times so far, is it's because it's 1,500 pages, is uh, Shogun by John Clavell. I don't know if you know. Sure. Or James Clavell, right? Okay. James, but yep. Shogun, I, I love, I think that uh, most people think that the Englishman is the hero of Shogun, especially if you look at the TV series or whatever. However, if you read it, you realize that it's the not the Englishman, but the the Japanese man who became Shogun as the hero. And how he did it, to me, is the story. It's, a, it's just a superb management text, if you will, for how you can do that. He started out all along as just wanting to do good, just wanting to protect his people and defend Japan, the fatherland, the motherland, if you will, and never had any aspirations to be in charge of anything. He just wanted to be a good soldier. And he works that and works that and works that. And he works all these people that he knows. And he has he empowers four, five, six people in the course of the book to do all different kinds of things. And he gives them all the credit and keeps working and working and working. And then at the end of the day, they came along and basically said, there's nobody else left. Would you please be the shogun? And he reluctantly took the job. And I think that's... If you're to really be a good manager and want to help someone achieve a vision, some enterprise or whatever, that's really the way you have to do it. You can't start at the beginning and, and 
try to pull everybody along. You really have to work it the other way. And it takes time and education of people and nurturing of people and different skills and so on. So I like that book. And every once in a while, when I'm kind of, if I think I'm forgetting or whatever, I go back and read it again. Well, I'm surprised nobody else has recommended that book and all the people I've talked to, but I loved your analysis of it and how it can relate to how you be a great manager, great leader, great mentor to people today. So uh, very nicely done. Now, before I let you go, I'm going to let you go on what I call the ultimate drive. You get to pick a vehicle, anybody to go with, and anywhere to go. What does that ultimate drive look like for Mary? Okay, the ultimate drive for me looks like driving my uh, Porsche 718 Cayman S. (laughs) <laughs> over into uh, Western South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, through the mountains and all over there. There's a place called the Dragon's Neck or whatever. The, gra- the Dragon's Tail, I believe it Tail, is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, spend a few days driving around around that area and maybe even go on up in the direction towards uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, just to enjoy the car and its ability to go on those kinds of roads and have a good time. And I, the person that I, after this again, I thought about it too. First, I was thinking maybe Hurley Haywood or Lewis Hamilton or something like that. So now I, what I decided is really the person that I would like to do that with is my wife, Pat. And I would do the driving, and then we could, we could do as we uh, normally do. We could talk about family history and funny stories and quirky people and all that kind of thing. <laughs> Sounds nice. And then maybe have a discussion of uh, our grand, our six grandchildren and uh-huh. how they're doing educationally. Bravo. Like Very nice. You know, I love the Cayman. Driven many of those things. Uh, first time I drove one when they came out, it was at a track. And I'm a big 911 guy, but I went, I could love this car. Yeah. And uh, your car you sent me a picture of for your show notes mm-hmm. page. Is that in chalk? Is that the car? Yes, it is. You know? Chalk, yeah. Yeah. Crayon, crayon or chalk? Yeah. I, I, I love your car. That is a very cool car. You're having some fun. You've taken us on a wonderful ride today, and I really appreciate you sharing a lot about the Hilton Head Concord Elegance and Motoring Festival. Before I let you go, could you offer us maybe some parting words of wisdom, a mantra, a success quote? I guess, the to me, the... The single mantra that I tell myself and I try to suggest to others is really just one word, but it's a very difficult word. And that word is listen. (laughs) I find it hard for me to listen and how I find the rewards of listening and listening properly to be quite high. So I try to work at listening when my, but my patience is not always there, but (laughs) So that's really what I work at. Well, it's an important thing to do. And uh, as my mom used to tell me as I was a kid, there's a reason you have two eyes and two ears and one mouth. Uh, <laughs> listen and observe twice as much as you're speaking and yes. uh, you'll be better off. So I think the word listen is a very powerful word for all of us to remind ourselves of. Listeners, you can enjoy the Hilton Head Concord Elegance Motoring Festival. Uh, simply go to hhiconcord.com or just Google Hilton Head Concord. It'll pop up. You can go to their beautiful website, get yourself tickets. Uh, this is an event you do not want to miss. Mary, thank you for spending a wonderful uh, bit of time with us today and for sharing your perspectives on this event that I've been promoting all week here on Cars Yeah. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you at the Hilton Head Concord Elegance and Motoring Festival. Hope to see you there also, Mark. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. This was a great pleasure. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.